When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Ken Abs again. This is Daily Thrones, a quick look at the world of ice and fire. And it is, for me, a good day here, December 4th, at the uh, time of this broadcast. And it's my mother's birthday, so happy birthday, Mom. And she doesn't listen to Anchor. She doesn't listen to Daily Thrones. She doesn't listen or watch anything about Game of Thrones. So it's just you and me, guys. Uh, but it's my mom's birthday, and that got me thinking about, of course, Mother's in Game of Thrones. We've talked about this time and time again, uh, but I wanted to highlight it again. Not wait for next Mother's Day, not wait for something else, because I, what I love about Game of Thrones when it comes to mothers is that it has them. Now, other big sci-fi fantasy or fantasy properties do have them. Uh, I'm a big Star Wars fan, as you guys know, but I I sometimes believe that um, uh, mothers are lacking in Star Wars, at least the focus on them. Now, again, they exist. There's Shmi Skywalker, Kylo Ren's mom is Princess Leia. We have Padme Amidala, the mother of Luke and Leia. All that stuff is there. But uh, Star Wars famously focuses on fathers, father, son, Luke, I am your father, all that stuff. Uh, that is the big focus. Even say a new character like Aiden Versio from the Star Wars Battlefront 2 game and the great book Inferno Squad, she shows up. It's about her and her father. Now, her mother is featured in there, but her, her mother uh, is out of the story quick. And this isn't even in the video game. This is in the book, and her mother's an artist and, and does the recruitment paintings for the Empire, but it's about Aiden and her father. And I'm not saying that I don't want those in stories going forward, but I, I, I think I'd like to see a little bit more of the mother effect in Star Wars and what that really means and, and, and dive into that. And I think they will with Princess Leia, General Leia, uh, and Kylo Ren uh, coming up in The Last Jedi. That could very well be a focus in there. It could be key. But Game of Thrones has that down. George Martin has that down, and we see so many great examples of being a mother, and bad examples of being a mother, and also just um, the idea, the mother of dragons, that whole thing with Daenerys and and Misa, mother of her to uh, these people that she's freed. It can get weird, kind of this uh, great white savior thing coming in. I know that's not a trope uh, that a lot of people enjoy, but just take it for what it is with Daenerys Targaryen being a mother to these people, a mother to these dragons. It is the focus of the show. It is is done so well. And even a bad character like Cersei Lannister, I always talk about empathy and sympathy for Cersei because uh, and you can find a lot of it in how she feels about her children. She even says at some point, you know, she knows what Joffrey is. And uh, what is she going to do? This is still her firstborn. This is her her first love in a way. And I think that's powerful stuff. And so there are a lot of Cersei's motivations even now with this pregnancy she's claiming to have. And at this point, uh, I believe her. And the reason I believe her is because the way Cersei feels about motherhood. I don't think Cersei would uh, fake a pregnancy 
uh, at the end of the day. Now, could there be political gain? Could there be strategy? Is Cersei above strategy? No, I don't think. But I think motherhood is something that is very important and very serious to Cersei Lannister. And so you see, and I believe, those motivations. I believe Tyrion believes her. I believe Jaime believes her. I believe... I believe, even though uh, when Jamie has that weird line at the end of uh, season seven, I don't believe. I, I think that's more about her having him killed. Some people were like, uh, maybe it's about the pregnancy. And, and look, uh, Cersei's not above faking him. But her, her, her being a mother drives her, and it's powerful stuff. Catelyn Stark, it drove her, and she made mistakes because of her passionate motherhood, and she succeeded because of her passionate motherhood. But um, I love that it's focused on there, and I hope it continues. Fathers are big in Game of Thrones, too. Absolutely, as it should be. Uh, and this is this world, the world of Westeros, even more than Essos. The world of Westeros, it's about fathers, houses, bannermen, banners, sigils, house words, all those things. But mothers get to drive the boat a lot in Game of Thrones. And on my mother's birthday today, she did a much better job raising me than Cersei did. Um, I wanted to pay a little homage and respect to the mothers of Game of Thrones. Hey, Ken, just calling in with my thoughts on uh, moments from Season 4 that weren't uh, weren't main plot movement moments, but just, you know, little things that we all enjoyed. For me, uh, one of the standout moments, I think it's in Season 4 anyways, I'm not sure which episode, is when John comes back through Craster's Keep and uh, Tanner, I can never remember the character's first name, the mutineer Tanner is sitting there with uh, in Craster's chair with drinking out of Gior Mormont's skull, and before he actually, I think he actually says that it's Gior Mormont's skull, but before that, there's this kind of really gross feeling of, like, is it what I think it is? Is it not what I think it is? And that moment has always stuck with me. I've always loved it. Um, on another note, I, I just finished watching the new show that you and Makuga are doing on Collider, and I absolutely love it. I'm almost done the books now, so it's uh, it's, it's it's just a great watch. Um, thanks for taking the call, Ken, and have a great night. It's great to have Sir Thomas Tall calling back in. Hope you're well, Thomas. Great to hear from you, and thank you for the kind words on the new show over on Collider. Uh, Josh McCook and I over on Collider Video have a new show called uh, I Didn't Read the Blanken Books. Just kind of a fun thing. That's a pilot we threw together. Hope to do it weekly where we will go episode by episode. And not, not just compare show to books, but Josh McCuga, who has not read the books and will never read the books, has questions for me. Some of them throw me off a little bit. Some of them they test my knowledge, and other of them, other other the questions we have answers for. So it's a lot of fun, fun experiment. Hope you guys can check that out over there. Sir Thomas Attal has a great moment from season four that I do love to hate. It is because I'm such a Jor Mormont fan. I, I just love the Mormonts overall. There's a lot to like about those curmudgeonly, uh, grumpy, uh, wonderful Mormonts, including Leanna Mormont. And uh, Jor Mormont is one of my favorites. And when it when when Carl Tanner is it Carl or Cal Tanner? I'm not even going to stop this to correct myself because I think it's Carl Tanner. Uh, but uh, that's how I, I love recording live to tape, if you guys can't tell. some I um, I stumble, sometimes get facts wrong. You know, I would I recommend not doing that if you're out there. But I've uh, been radio since the mid-90s. I just like press and go, pressing the record button and figure it out. But it is uh, definitely Carl Tanner. Uh, we'll just say that. We'll mumble over the word Carl Tanner. Drinking out of Jor Mormont's skull. Uh, Cal Tanner from Gin Alley, right? 
down there in Flea Bottom, down there from the lower class in his own throne. He thinks he's got this throne. He's drinking from the skull of Jor Mormont. It is disgusting. It's despicable. It's not what Jor Mormont, the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, deserves. And it makes it even more sad when you know when Jor Mormont finds out from Tyrion and just how even even Tyrion, who who became you know close in a short time around Jor Mormont, knows he deserves more. And if they knew those little details, ugh, it'd be too much for Jor to take, I think, or at least he'd be even more stoic than he already is. So it's a great moment. It's one of those moments when a villain is really being a villain, and you kind of have to love those moments too. They can't all be warm and fuzzy. Sometimes they make you wretch. Hey Ken, Kevin Ross, a uh, great subject on motherhood. Uh, a couple of things about it. In Game of Thrones, you can look at a mother and tell immediately the values of a society, from Cersei uh, to Catelyn Stark, uh, even to folks in, in uh, the Riverlands. But if you're going to raise a daughter anywhere in in the Game of Thrones universe, I think you want to raise her in Dorne. Um, uh, and the reason for that is uh, Aurelia Sand raised three wonderful children her the daughters they're they're warrior women they are independent they're free thinking they're educated um the society in which a mother is allowed to thrive speaks volumes on the quality of life that's there uh if i'm gonna raise a daughter aurelia sand is gonna be the mother to do it thanks Kevin, with a good point about Laria Sand, she has those sand snakes and uh, those that are actually hers that she's raised. And on the show, it's a little bit different. You focus on these three, uh, Tyene and Obara and uh, Nymeria Sand. And you know what? She raised them to be fierce. She raised them to be strong. And it didn't pay off in the end. Things end badly for the sand snakes and Laria Sand, but... A lot of things end badly in Game of Thrones for a lot of people. Uh, they did it their way, and may sometimes they paid the price. Uh, Cersei was, I think, somewhat justified in getting her revenge, but throwing that all aside, in terms of motherhood, Dorne, probably the best pay- place to raise a daughter in, in Game of Thrones. I agree with Kevin there. And Laria Sand, she, she raised some fierce, strong warriors. One of the reasons we're upset about the Dorne storyline, especially on the show, not ending the way we wanted it to, is those are great characters and that we wanted a more from those characters. It's a testament to what is there. Good answers. Hey, Ken, uh, the next scene I want to talk about, it's from season three, and it's when we finally meet Shireen, Stannis' daughter. It follows a scene, a very creepy scene, where we meet Selyse and we see her and those stillborn babies. Very creepy stuff, but then... We hear this beautiful singing, beautiful sounding voice from Carrie Ingram, who played played Shireen. And Stannis walks in, and she runs, and she hugs him. And it's, and it's interesting because Stannis like kind of just looks around. He doesn't he doesn't know how to take affection. And she, you know, she we see her face, and we see she has this grayscale. So many people asked me when the episode aired uh, what was wrong with her face. I had to explain. But they have a nice little talk, and you find out in the scene that. She um, has a friendship with uh, Sir Davos. Then later on in the episode, um, she goes to see Davos in the dungeon and teaches him to read. Great scene. And the episode ends with, with that singing in the credits. Eric with a great call about the moment we, we meet Shireen. And Eric, you're right. I hadn't really thought about that before, that we meet Solis. You know, we don't really see 
uh, any of Stannis' family up close and personal in season two. The very beginning, uh, there is someone who I think maybe was supposed to be Solice. You don't really see it. It's all about Stannis, uh, Davos, Mathos, Melisandre, Maester Creston for a short while. Um, you don't really see much more. So in season three, when you finally meet his wife... Uh, you know, uh, I don't uh, necessarily condone what Stannis did with Melisandre, but then you, you, she's on her own plane of existence. And it's kind of creepy and leaves a weird taste in your mind and mouth. And so when you meet Shireen, uh, I, for one, I, you know, it's like, what do you expect? What is this this poor kid? And then she's got the grayscale, which is tragic. But, uh, you know, what's going on? Her, her dad's stern and stringent and detached. Her mom is kind of jumped off the cuckoo pier. What are we going to get with Shireen? And we get an awesome character that is so sweet and so sincere and those scenes with her and Davos are great and the way they're, they're tugging on your heartstrings for so long knowing where this is going to end up how tragic it ends up and I mean as a Stannis Baratheon fan it still pains me still pains me that the fall of Stannis had to include this horrible death for Shireen but if you go back to that first moment that's where it begins I think that's where our connection begins and you you try to see Stannis understand struggle you, you're so right eric he cannot accept love he, he cannot be tender um there's a lot going on there and it's a great early introduction to this character uh, a great first step to a dark tragic tale but there's so many sweet things along the way that uh you know i'm not saying that was worth the ride and worth the end but you can revel in those sweet little moments and the first one is definitely one of them that's my uh discussion today on motherhood more moments in game of thrones you guys can call on in let's keep talking i'll be looking at see the end of season three on to season four you guys call with whatever season you want and if you don't want to if you want to talk about news other predictions the lines are open for that as well. It's Daily Thrones here on Anchor. We're talking everything about Game of Thrones.